0: So welcome back to the Motivation Made Easy podcast. I have another special in-person guest today at the beautiful podcast studio in the library. We just had uh, tech issues to start, but we figured it out. And it's kind of a gloomy Friday morning here. And I have Kate Block with me here today. And we're gonna get into some good topics. So thank you for being here.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. I'm excited to see where this conversation leads.
0: Yeah, me too. So. I invited you on because you, or I came to you for help with body work, and we did some of these heart sessions that we're going to talk about, but before we get into that, we're going to just hear a little bit more about you, your story, and how you came to doing the work that you do.
1: Oh, man. All right, let me, <laughs> let me try to tell you the, the short and sweet version, okay. so... Back in the late 2000s, I was in a graduate program working on a PhD in science education and a master's in biology and thought that I wanted to be a college professor teaching conservation biology and ecology. And the longer that I hung out in that grad program and sort of saw what my professors were doing and what their lifestyle was like, I was like, ooh. I don't know that I really want to be working 50 to 60 hours a week and mm-hmm. publishing and attending conferences and conducting all this research. And I had also had my own sort of personal health and wellness journey involving a really severe ankle break from back when I was in high school. And so those sort of two events, the, the discontent with grad school and um, having a lot of pain from some post-traumatic arthritis i had in my left ankle um, those two things sort of joined up um, and ended mm-hmm. up coming to fruition in me leaving my grad program and starting a therapeutic bodywork program to learn how to do massage therapy and other forms of body work partly because i had been receiving some significant pain relief and and function improvement um, seeing somebody for body work so I thought I would love to be able to I think this is how a lot of healers and therapists and health and wellness professionals end up in the the career that they're in is they're helped so much by the work that they want to be able to be of service in some way for other people and so Mm -hmm. that's how I how I ended up um, doing what I do now which is I'm a therapeutic body work practitioner and a licensed massage therapist. I tend to be much more um, clinical and medical in nature versus more spa oriented relaxation work mm-hmm. and then I've also incorporated a, a good amount of mind body work in the in the body work that I do. I'm a, a yoga teacher as well as a massage therapist and so, Often, movement um, will play a role in the sessions that I do. We'll do a little energy work. Um, Some of your listeners may have heard of Reiki. That's one form of energy work. I do a few different types.
0: Oh, you do that too? Uh huh. Yeah,
1: (laughs) and learn something new every day.
0: I'm learning lots every day.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, so incorporating breath work also into sessions and sort of nervous system awareness and. Um, it's become really clear to me both in my own personal journey and also with my clients that your nervous system plays such a big role in how you feel in your own body and the tension that your body carries that it felt really important to be able to weave that thread into the structural work that I was doing.
0: Yeah, it seems kind of essential. (laughs) If you really want to get like long-term relief. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, both in terms of We can't make sustainable change. We can't get those tissues to soften um, if your body doesn't feel safe while you're in session. So part of it is just cultivating an atmosphere of safety and spaciousness um, in session. And then part of it, too, is a lot of the tension we hold in our bodies is based on postural stuff lifestyle stuff activity stuff I just watched you like pull your shoulders (laughs) back a little yes (laughs) and so if if we can't become aware of those patterns and the way we're holding our bodies the way we're moving and using our bodies um, then often we can't really get to the root cause of whatever the pain or the dysfunction is Mm -hmm. so we become aware of those patterns and then that awareness is sort of the first step to like Let's take that pattern that's not serving us, um, Mm -hmm. the way we're holding our body, the way we're moving through the world. Let's take that pattern that's not serving us and deconstruct it and then Mm -hmm. bring in a new pattern that will help us feel um, and move uh, the way that we want to through the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. I knew you had a science background and I knew you had an education background, but I didn't know. What was the PhD program you? you? said. Concert? It was science
1: education. Yeah. So it was okay. learning how to like the best practices for the teaching and learning of science. So really okay. geared towards somebody who would be teaching in like higher level but science courses. But research too. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I did uh, for my master's in biology, I did some research on the use of fire as a management tool for native Michigan prairies. So, oh. yeah. So I, I always joke that that's my my previous life is all that mm-hmm. research and teaching. But I will say, learning how to how to read and understand clinical um, research has been really helpful as a massage therapist too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say. Do you did you like the research?
1: I loved the designing of my own research, Mm -hmm. and I liked the being out in the field and collecting data and surveying my field sites and stuff. But the main part of research, I sort of realized, or at least a large chunk, is literature review. Mm -hmm. So finding all of these research articles and sort of distilling them down to their essence, Mm -hmm. and then writing up all your results. And
0: and then submitting to
1: journals only submitting, to get oh like, my god yes devastating rejections yes and then like <laughs> well we we may allow you know your article to be published but it would need this this and this revisions and so yeah, that was pages of exactly yeah. <laughs> that was the part of academia that just did not appeal to me
0: <laughs> yeah well we have that in common cuz i was going to do a research career
1: okay um, that
0: was my whole plan and, okay. was, and then i was like oh i don't see any uh, women the quality of life that I want yeah I see none of that none of that I see some men who have the quality of life that I'd like Mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. And I shouldn't say no no not the quality not the flexibility I wanted right yeah so and
1: yeah. that was the same thing for me as. yeah you know the as I got into my later 20s and early 30s I just really decided I didn't want my whole life to be work. I wanted yes. work to be part of my life and like a life-giving sort of endeavor, but I yeah. didn't want my life to be consumed by work. And that is mostly what I was seeing from the professors that I was working with.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's an interesting world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you said, yeah, you do like you're a massage therapist and you do body work. Are those things the same? Or
1: how Yeah, do, so how do the way that, that- the way that I am using those words is to use bodywork as sort of a catch-all mm-hmm. for all different types of modalities that are working on the physical body mm-hmm. um, or the energetic body but that aren't massage so mm-hmm. when we think of massage usually we're thinking of somebody who's disrobed maybe leaving their underwear on maybe not we're going to use some kind of lubricant, cream, oil, lotion to be working directly on the body. Mm -hmm. But there are other forms of body work, like have you ever heard of craniosacral work?
0: I've heard of it. I don't know a lot
1: about it. Yeah, so that involves... Um, the central nervous system and also the cerebrospinal fluid Mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of light touch involved with that we're not working on soft tissue Mm -hmm. Um, so that's one form reflexology is another one that a lot of people are aware of you're working the bottoms of the feet different acupressure points Mm -hmm. so when i use the word therapeutic body work i'm meaning to include massage therapy under that umbrella And then I'm also using that phrase because I feel like it encapsulates the holistic nature of mm-hmm. my work a bit better than the term massage therapy does. Yeah,
0: that makes sense. Yeah. So that would include all of the things, like you said, Reiki too it mm-hmm. would include the heart sessions that I want to ask you about. Yep. Right? Okay. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah.
1: So that's, for me, that's, and I would, when I talk about body work, I don't do chiropractic work or acupuncture or whatever, but... I would consider those types of modalities to sort of fit under that body work umbrella too is okay. something where the physical body is the the focus. Okay, yeah.
0: great, good to know. And so tell us about these heart sessions that you've incorporated. Why, yeah. why when did you start it?
1: Tell us more. So um, the reason I started offering these sessions that I call heart sessions is because I've been working with my own talk therapist for my goodness, I think I started seeing him in 2010. So we've got a very long relationship. Yeah. Um, And one of the things that I remember saying to him several years into our work together was, I feel like I understand things on a cognitive level. Mm -hmm. Like I can know I'm not responsible for X trauma that occurred, or I can know that... Um, I don't have to constantly be achieving in order to be lovable and worthy of connection. Mm -hmm. But I felt like my believing of those things was all up here, Mm -hmm. all in my head. Mm -hmm. Nothing was penetrating down into my body. Mm -hmm. And for me, when the knowing of something that is true, when I can't feel that in my body it feels so much more effortful to remind myself of that thing.
0: Yeah, because it is, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's it's something. There's you have some to... part of you that doesn't fully hasn't fully released that Exactly. Hasn't yeah. fully
1: integrated that knowledge or like bought in to mm-hmm. that knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. So I started offering these opportunities for people to tune in to okay when you when you hold that knowledge in your head of I am not responsible for x Mm -hmm. and you feel resistance in your body to that Mm -hmm. where do you feel that resistance Mm -hmm. how do we get closer to that resistance and get curious about it and ask ourselves questions that might even like seem a little strange or silly like does it have a color does it have a temperature what does that resistance feel like is it sharp and pointy is it dull and achy does it feel heavy and just through that sort of objective non-judgmental examination of where that resistance lives in your body Mm -hmm. i've found that it can be helpful for people in unwinding that unconscious component of that belief system or that narrative or that structure and so I really see those heart sessions as a way for people to integrate Mm -hmm. some of what they're perhaps navigating with a talk therapist or on their own in personal growth workshops or retreats I see it as a way for them to integrate it with a practitioner that is safe knowledgeable about the body and can really hold space for them while they're experiencing that.
0: So, from a practical standpoint for the listeners, I've experienced a heart session or two. I think Mm -hmm. I did, like...
1: Really yeah, settled. I think you and I did some integrated work together. So we started with yeah. some body work, yes. some massage, and then we yes. sort of transitioned into the more fluid heart session component of things.
0: Right, like 10 or 15 minutes after massage. And yes. So some people will do a full heart session. Some people
1: correct? will do a full heart yeah. session. And if they come for that kind of work, um, they don't even need to disrobe. Yeah. I still have them lay on my table underneath a nice cozy blanket. I dim all the lights to try to kind of get mm-hmm. that nervous system to set down a little bit. And then usually we start with either some guided breath work. Mm-hmm. Um, or we'll start with a body scan. And mm-hmm. I often talk about the flashlight of your awareness. like if your attention was a flashlight beam that you could sweep through your body, let's just do that and see where are you noticing things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it might be something that makes sense. It's like, oh, I'm feeling this pit in my stomach. Mm -hmm. And this is something I feel often in my life. Or sometimes it might be um, something really strange, like, oh, I'm noticing this weird pinching in my left shoulder. And it may not be something that the person on the table has any idea where it's coming from or what it's connected to. But usually with some sort of curious and gentle exploration we can uncover what's going on there
2: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah i can attest to that i i only have a memory from one of the sessions sure but and and i think i've talked to you about how well i I know i have about how interested and my listeners are very familiar with how interested i've been in ifs or internal family systems and you hadn't had formal training in that but I think so much of what you're doing is helping people connect with some different parts of themselves Mm -hmm. and the language you use is actually really similar to how we connect with parts it's Mm -hmm. with curiosity it's you know we we focus on it we describe it and so it's interesting you know in those sessions I was like I think that's what we're doing and I actually think I could be wrong but I think my gut says part of the reason I stopped the heart sessions because I was like I'm not quite ready oh yeah I was and I wasn't like I just was like I just need I was just doing a lot of like various deep healing work and yep. like, my own therapy and I was like I, need I don't need to excavate
1: break. anywhere else I'm yeah. excavating a lot elsewhere and I'm ready yeah. to just kind of soothe myself and yeah right uh-huh.
0: but I did have like very I don't remember the details but there was some vision of like my daughter and I running and playing and dancing and I feel like I sort of had it, and then you sort of saw it, and there was a combination of, like, visualization, but mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it was this joyfulness, this play that... Um, well, and
1: one of the things that I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong because you know lots more about um, IFS than I do, but one of the things that seems common to me is I really believe, both from my own personal experience and working with clients, that your body, even when it is in pain or not functioning the way that you would like it to. Your body is never trying to hurt you. Your Mm -hmm. body is never wanting um, to cause discomfort or non-function or pain for you. It's always Mm -hmm. doing its best. It's always trying Mm -hmm. to protect you. It's always trying to keep you safe. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me that that's a component of all the different parts in Mm -hmm. IFS that – No one's trying to be out to get you. Everyone's trying to do their best. We just need to reframe how that happens.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. I would agree. All parts are good, and all parts have a good intention. Mm -hmm. That's one of the main tenets. But parts can become, they can get extreme, and they can get to the point where they are causing harm without Mm -hmm. intending to. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, And so the thing that I often do both in sessions where it's more strictly massage therapy, but also Mm -hmm. in these integrated or heart sessions, what I often will do with folks is just sort of really let them lean into, can you feel and believe that your body is good Mm
2: -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that your
1: body is not trying to hurt you? It is not trying to cause problems. Mm -hmm. It is only trying to help and protect you. And if we can believe that and connect with that. And I often like to even express some gratitude to the body for the hard work that it's done. Uh And then just ask, this looks really heavy. This looks really hard for you body. Can we help you? Mm
2: -hmm. Can
1: we lighten this load a little bit? Can we introduce a new way of dealing with a particular situation or person or sensation? Mm -hmm. And can we structure the response In a way that's more aligned with how we want to show up in the world
0: yeah yeah i think you seem to take a very intuitive approach to all of this is that right
1: oh yeah (laughs) like even
0: though you have your science brain like i very much Mm respect that and also like there's a lot of intuition
1: and i've gotten more comfortable with that as i've Mm -hmm. um gotten deeper into my career Mm -hmm. I think I've always been uh, kind of a nerdy person who really likes to understand the nuts and bolts and the inner workings of things, and I love the details. And so, you know, even though I'm not doing anything with my science background per se, um, it's informed so much of, of what I'm doing with massage therapy with just the anatomy and physiology and how to how to think like a scientist and clinical literature and all that. Mm-hmm. And so I do very much have that side of myself, and I leaned mm-hmm. very heavily on that in the beginning, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as That's I start... a part of you. <laughs> yes, it's a part of me, exactly. And then now, as I've started to trust myself more
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and believe that I'm... A helpful person doing good work in the world, I've started to allow my brain to take a little bit of a back seat mm-hmm. and just sort of feel both physically and energetically what's happening with um, the person on my table and let that guide things.
0: Yeah, and even going back to the comment you just made, which is like you're expressing gratitude to the body, the body's not trying to hurt you. I wonder how much that influences we're talking more broadly about general healing but obviously this podcast is often focused on like healing our relationship with food mm-hmm. and our body and so many people on your table in your room I'm sure have you know either current or past disordered relationships with food in yeah. their body and I have people shared that that's influenced them I mean it certainly influenced me I think by the time I got to working with you I worked through a lot of that stuff um, so it didn't feel as I mean, the the more I think of what I remember you saying is, like, letting the muscles relax and saying it's safe to relax, it's more about anxiety and tension mm-hmm. and, like, the parts of me that live in my shoulders that, mm-hmm. like, really still don't feel like it's fully safe to yeah. chill. Um, but anyways, going back to my question of, like, I'm just curious other people's experiences because I can imagine that would be incredibly helpful complement to, you know, healing from a disordered relationship with food.
1: Mm-hmm. And- I see a lot of people who have either a disordered relationship with food or just with their body in general. Um, And also a lot of folks who have some level of trauma history. Mm -hmm. Um, And for both of those people, both of those types of people, I've noticed that creating a sense of trust for your body is really important Um, for both of those groups of people their body has at various points in their life felt like not a safe place to be Mm -hmm. so so much of the work that i do is focused on not even um, body positivity but just neutrality Mm -hmm. Um, and the idea that you can have all kinds of feelings about your body or about food that you're eating or movement that you're engaging in but regardless of what your feelings are about those things can you be present to a deep and unconditional appreciation and love for your body? Can you treat your body with kindness and trust and respect even when all these thoughts are present or all these um, traumatic events are present or mm-hmm. all this baggage surrounding body image is present? Can you stay with your body and know that it is good and mm-hmm. trustable um, and it's it's the only home you've got here so Mm -hmm. how can we make living in that home more tolerable for you Mm
0: -hmm. right right and yeah I would imagine like whether it's in talk therapy although like you're saying talk therapy can keep us in the cognitive a lot or in those heart sessions when people are able to like fully release some of that maybe pain maybe grief maybe Mm -hmm. a variety of feelings that they used to hold and then yeah, kind of coming back to, like, we're, we're safe here and, and integrating those messages. Again, sort of intuitively, I think it's such a cool way. There's just, like, a lot of different ways to There's heal so many different ways to heal. Yeah, yeah it's not just – I mean, I like therapy a lot, obviously. Um, but so do I. Yeah, I've <laughs> been
1: doing it for 13 years, yeah. I'm <laughs> pretty into it.
0: Kind of have two on and off.
1: But I've noticed for me, and maybe this is true for you, and I bet it's true for some of the folks listening, like – when all I do is talk and I'm not really feeling,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, it's really easy for me to do this weird compartmentalization thing where I'm like, well, this is the, the thing I've bootstrapped myself into cognitively. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the new belief or the new truth or whatever that I've bootstrapped myself into using logic with my mm-hmm. brain. Mm-hmm. But until I can really feel that truth and embody that truth, you know below my neck Mm -hmm. um it it doesn't feel fully actualized or integrated
0: right right because that's i mean and if we go back to an ifs conceptualization it's like that logical part has served you really well yes um, Mm -hmm. which is great and it probably was really necessary in the past to pull you out of your body and Mm -hmm. out of the pain you're experiencing and it's helping to appreciate and heal what's there so that part can relax and maybe shift in to a different role or just maybe even a similar role
2: mm-hmm. but one
0: that's not always having to be present and 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 I think that's the thing that I've been thinking about this a lot lately these is more I guess non-traditional ways of healing because I I feel that in my own therapy I, I'm making progress but I feel like I'm it's so easy to get blocked because I'm just trying to think of the answer a lot of times it's like do you have any memories related Mm -hmm. to when you felt like this in the past and I ask this question to people right but I'm like ah no (laughs) like at this point in time no and it's frustrating because I can conceptualize all day but there's and and it's almost like I because I'm trying to answer with my Cognitive brain, the memories aren't really stored up there. They're probably stored in my body. Yeah. And, um,
1: well, and we're asking, like, when we ask people to do somatic, so body based integration or healing work, especially Mm -hmm. if they're somebody who comes from a Western culture, we are asking you to exercise a skill. That society has not taught you how to use yeah and that if anything society has tried to kind of keep you out of your body mm-hmm. um, that really the only way that we think about or talk about bodies in society is performance so mm-hmm. you know athletes mm-hmm. um, aesthetics mm-hmm. um, and then maybe health how it might be a barrier to the things that you want to do if you are not in a healthy place right right, right. and yeah. <clears throat> So little of that is about appreciation, gratitude, embodiment, safety. So I just I guess I bring that up to to affirm to your listeners if this feels hard. Of course, it feels hard. Of mm-hmm. course it feels hard. No one taught you how to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were probably receiving a lot of implicit and maybe even explicit, Um, directives from your family of origin from society at large from your community that were sort of nudging you away from embodiment nudging you Mm -hmm. away from the truth that your body knows so you're you're developing a new skill set and trying to build a muscle that is um, not developed not developed yet
0: yeah not even nudging but maybe like really pushing (laughs) really blocking that out because if we have too many people listening to their bodies and trusting their intuition, who knows what could happen? Who knows what could
1: happen to society, right? <laughs> it could just right? be
0: a lot for yep. mm-hmm. <laughs> the systems at play. Yes, so.
1: exactly, yep.
0: Yeah, and it's so interesting, yeah, this idea of, like, we focus on health, quote-unquote, but then we miss this whole piece that's, like, integrally involved in health, right? And yeah. yet we don't ever look at it, or we look at it minimally, or we go to again, talk therapy, which most, all of the training I received prior to graduation was related to cognitive, Mm -hmm. I mean, emotions were involved. I got some training in that, but.
1: I think it is changing. You know, I, um, I always joke that at the beginning of my career, because I was really, um, deeply involved in a yoga community in our town when I first started my practice, I was sort of the body worker for yoga teachers. Uh And over the last four-ish years, five-ish years, it's really shifted, and now I um, have a lot of clients who are talk therapists, and it's kind of wonderful, and um, for folks who are willing, we'll talk shop a little bit sometimes, and one of the things I'm really encouraged by is I'm hearing so many more talk therapists who are having more holistic trainings or having more integrated work where there's mm-hmm. like somatic experiencing work or mm-hmm. other trauma training that's really focused on the body, um, so I love the direction I'm seeing that head. It's really yeah. cool.
0: Yeah, I always wonder, like, did I just I, did I just not seek that out as much because I wasn't ready for it, or
1: mm, or was it not even there?
0: Was it not as focused on? And it's probably both. Mm-hmm. Like, it's probably and there wasn't as much access to all the different modalities when I was early in training, right? Like the yeah. Because when like, did you
1: come out of your program?
0: Well, um, I started my program two thousand seven. So you know, certainly we had like the internet, but we just The Body Keeps the
1: Score existed, right? I did, but But, I hadn't
0: heard of it. And I I mean, intuitive eating was out too. That's a separate thing, but like that came out in 94. But there wasn't as much easily accessible information. It's not like if I searched, I don't know, like, because I was. I was seeking out podcasts about, at least about like healing relationships with food. And I did Mm -hmm. find some non-traditional stuff but not much because there weren't that many podcasts out yet like mm-hmm. there weren't I'm sure I would have found more podcasts sooner about that pointed me in this direction sooner so I think it's a combination but I also think I have to own because I used to be at a very angry part about that mm. and I think now it's I listened to that part and also and it had a point point. Mm-hmm. and also I think I wasn't ready for that yeah or at least I didn't think I was yeah I didn't choose to focus on trauma training but again even I don't know the people that did focus on trauma training it looks different yeah even now so it's mm-hmm. very interesting yeah
1: so. It, it's so so cool to see the evolution for sure
0: I agree it, it, there is definitely hope there and I know you said that you said that more about like parenting stuff I think oh yeah <laughs> that too yeah. yes <laughs> oh
1: some, my gosh there's
0: some hopefulness which is great um What is the main thing you want people to know about just this work or healing? I mean, maybe we've already covered it, but what would you say if if people took, like, one take-home message from this conversation?
1: I'm not sure if she's still living or not, but her name is Terry Tempest Williams, and she lives in the American—or lived, one of the two, in the American Southwest, and she writes memoir um, and these, like, really beautiful, descriptive— passages about life in the American Southwest and nature and she has this quote and uh, the quote is my body is my compass and it does not lie Mm. and holy moly is that true so if I could sort of give one little tidbit for folks to Mm -hmm. take away is your body is a compass and if you have both the courage to listen the sensitivity to listen um and then that sort of like resilience to hear what your body's saying and accept what that message is Mm -hmm. your body does not lead you astray man it really knows what's up both from a physical standpoint but also um you know we talk about our guts all the time Mm -hmm. um like Mm -hmm. making decisions from the gut and Mm -hmm. i have found that like while perhaps the impulsivity that we maybe associate with that idea of like gut based decision making is not what I'm referring to, often I will try to overrule my body with my head. I'll try to talk myself into it by thinking, well, X, Y, and Z are excellent reasons to say yes to this thing and it would be good for my career and it would be good for my wallet or whatever. And any time I start to notice myself trying to rationalize myself into making a decision that my body is a no to, Mm -hmm. never turns out good. Mm -hmm. So that's my that's my takeaway tidbit is Mm -hmm. really find a way to listen to your body, Mm -hmm. whatever that looks like, and then know that that guidance is valuable and trustable
0: yeah it's trying to tell you something important and i'm just thinking about like yeah potential listeners who experience like a lot of weight bias and a lot of crap messages about yeah their body at a certain size and just how much that does get going back to like this idea of like it's a revolutionary concept because (laughs) everything else says like no your body's wrong and weight loss is the only answer and
1: every every other little signpost is trying to tell you cede your authority to me Give mm-hmm. give your authority over what you should be eating. Give that to diet culture. Give that to a nutritionist. Give that to your yeah. doctor. Yeah. Give that to the pages of Women's Health or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, give your authority around movement. Give that away to the personal fitness industry, to, you know, your yoga teacher, to whatever. As opposed to trying to redirect you to the ultimate seat of authority being your own dang self your own dang body you know That's good yeah Mm -hmm. that's real good
0: that's a good quote okay well both of those are good quotes
1: (laughs) awesome love to be quotable
0: yes okay so we're gonna move to our final questions at the end here hey everyone are you a therapist dietitian or helping professional that works with people with disordered eating or some degree of eating or weight concern If so, I have a free tool for you that I had way too much fun developing. So if you have clients who say things like, I really like intuitive eating, but ultimately I want to lose weight, or in your opinion, you notice that they have a really hard time not focusing on weight loss, and it really gets in the way of them doing the things they want to do or getting in touch with their body, but you're not always sure the best ways to support or guide them, because maybe you understand why they want to lose weight, you know, given our culture, um, but you also want to help them build up their ability to trust their body. So maybe you've tried things like empathizing with them, telling them the science about dieting or weight loss, but maybe they're wanting a little more direction from you and you're feeling a bit stuck. So how can you help them explore what's right for them without imposing your own agenda onto them, which tends to backfire? So I created this free step-by-step guide to guide you through my favorite exercise which is based on internal family systems theory or kind of the parts psychology as some people call it and it helps you help your client navigate this nuanced dynamic that's very personal with the different parts of them that you know maybe want peace with food but other parts that still really want to lose weight. This is my number one favorite way to help clients build self-trust while taking the pressure off of you as the provider to know the exact right advice to give or say. So grab this exercise for free, including exactly how to do it at drhondorp.com forward slash parts. That's D R H O N D O R P dot com forward slash parts. So grab it for free today. And if you use it with a client, make sure you shoot me an email and let me know. All right, let's get back to the episode. Our intrinsic motivation question is what's one thing you have truly intrinsic motivation for? So you do the behavior for the inherent satisfaction of the behavior itself because mm-hmm. you enjoy it, you find it challenging, interesting. You would do it if you got no external rewards. Mm-hmm. What's that for you?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, swimming. Mm, yeah. I'm a big uh, lake swimmer. Um, so we live about a 45 to 50 minute drive from the big lake. So mm. uh, the big lake being Lake Michigan, for those <laughs> of you who are a non-local. Um, so I love to get in the water and I love to swim in the big waves. And there is something really just restorative about that for me. Mm. And for the months of the year between, you know, mid-October and June, when the, the big lake is not so swimmable unless you got a real nice wetsuit, um, I'll, I'll take to the YMCA lap pool. And I would do that just for the pure enjoyment of how it feels to move my body through the water.
0: Mm, yeah, there's something. I am not a big swimmer. Most I don't know. I like it. I just, I've always liked it when I did it, but I, I have never done it regularly. But yeah seems like there is something for water for me and i think a lot of people like i even if like we're getting like a you know an airbnb even if it's on like a puddle i don't care yeah. it's not like water it's like a small amount of water to look at and I, we've literally been to one that's a very it's a very small pond up yeah. in like benzonia area yeah but i'm um, like just a tiny tad of water yep. is very relaxing and so i would imagine that's and i don't know again i think there's some intuitive body wisdom to that of just when we really listen what does our body yearn for and it might be different for different people but I can and definitely relate to that.
1: It's really, I think, um, the feeling that I have, especially when I'm in the lake, is like f- feels really primal. Mm. I feel uh, like an animal. Mm. I don't feel just like a person. I feel like my my physical animalness of swimming through the water and getting tossed by a wave and popping up into the yeah. sunshine again. Like I feel very. You know what? I think it is. Wow, I'm having some fun little realizations. <laughs> I think the reason that I love it so much is because it's such an embodying activity, mm-hmm. especially when, you know, we're in three to four foot waves. I've got a couple girlfriends who really love to swim with me, too. And we'll be out there and the, the waves look, you know, pretty rough, but we're all good swimmers. So we're all being safe. And there is just not a lot of time to be up in your head if you're trying to make sure that you don't get wrecked by the next wave or trying Mm -hmm. to time your breath when you can pop up and take a breath in between two waves. It's just a really uh, physically pleasurable and also just highly embodying experience for me.
0: Right. Analytical, logical thoughts, not really... Needed.
1: No, <laughs> not not needed. And also, honestly, sometimes detrimental. You yeah. get two in your brain and then you're not paying attention to what's actually happening. Or you're
0: panicking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's our other question is more about, um, it, it's called integrative motivation. So this is something that used to feel like, I call it from a should uh, to a choose to. Uh-huh. This is something that used to feel like oh I have to do this I really should but I'm ha- having a hard time getting myself to do it but then you found a way to do it consistently even if you don't necessarily always love it but you mm-hmm. value it it's like it's still you're choosing it mm-hmm. um and maybe you get to this an intrinsic place for it but it's about how people shift from extrinsic to oh, yeah. integrated
1: so the thing that has helped me shift so for your listeners um and a I'm just going to kind of throw out a blanket statement. I'm going to talk about some eating stuff right now. So check out if that's hard for you. Um, I need to eat in a very specific way in order to minimize my inflammation. So I've got some really gnarly post-traumatic arthritis in my ankle joint. And through many years of eating in various different ways and elimination diets and a whole lot of other stuff, I've sort of ascertained, okay, these are the foods that make me feel best and the foods that don't make me feel best some of them I can incorporate occasionally some of them are just no's for me Um, and unfortunately the the foods that make me feel best often require a lot of prep so there's a lot of like fruits and veggies and um, a lot of that involves like washing and chopping and prepping and salads and um, soups and all these kinds of things and um, I like to eat those foods i do not like to prepare those foods right there with you (laughs) so if i had like a private chef who was like here have this beautiful vegan salad i'd be like yes sign me up said
0: that many times yes could we get one of those yes yes Yes. not right
1: now maybe maybe in a few years so (laughs) the thing that has kind of helped me to do the food prep And to do the so it's like making the grocery list, going to the grocery store, buying all the stuff, Mm -hmm. coming home, doing a a certain amount of prep so that it reduces the hill that I have to climb to prepare myself something that's going to make me feel good. Mm -hmm. That is something that I did not like to do. And now I am sort of switching to, okay. I still don't always enjoy this, Mm -hmm. but it gets me this thing that I really want. And that allows me to live my life in the way that feels best to me. Mm-hmm. So even though I don't really love prepping vegetables, even though I don't always love going to the grocery store, mm-hmm. it's it's a key thing for me to be able to live my life the way I want to live it. And the thing that has helped me to make that switch is I just let myself not like it. Mm-hmm. I just say to myself, okay, you don't have to like this. You don't have to want to do this. Mm-hmm. But... I almost parent myself in the mm-hmm. sense that for our highest good, we need to be able to do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, we need to prep these carrots. We need to like <laughs> cut up this broccoli. We need to do whatever. Yeah. So it's almost I'm allowing myself to see what the unpleasant task gets me. Yeah. And that makes the unpleasant task a little more doable.
0: Right, and it's a lot. It's a lot of compassion for that part of you that doesn't like it. And You can picture like a kid that's like, "I don't want to brush my teeth. I don't want to go to bed." And you are like, I, "I know, bud."
1: Yeah, it's not fun. and that's a, it's yeah. That's exactly how I treat it. I know that you would rather be, you know playing a video game or reading a book or whatever it is that you would rather do than chopping these vegetables for half an hour. But yeah. this is what we got to do right now.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> I love that. Like the allowing, like you don't have to like it because, you know, you hear that it's kind of diet culture. But I think from well-intentioned people too, Yeah, you hear like, and we've had people, I've asked this question many times on this podcast, so we've had people talk about like, and I've tried to do this too, like make it more enjoyable, like put yeah. on a podcast, which I do when yep. I, Occasionally, when I prep, <laughs> I struggle actively with. This.
1: I will do that too, though. I'll also mm-hmm. try to make it slightly uh, more enjoyable. Slightly more enjoyable. I'll listen to a podcast. Yeah. I'll drink a glass of wine. I'll like, yeah. you know, put on some good music, whatever. But then there's also this like it has been helpful just to try to not gaslight myself into liking yes. it. It's like, we'll make this as pleasant as we can. And you also still might not want to do it. And that's okay, but we're right. going to do it anyway. It's
0: yeah. the allowing of like, it's almost like it could be like a, a diet culture thing. of like, you're just supposed to be the person that just loves this. And Intrinsically loves
1: and it. Yes. Uh-huh. Goes to the
0: store and goes to the farmer's market every weekend. Yes. Yes. And home the beautiful produce and just smiles for Instagram and (laughs) as
1: opposed to like the beautiful produce rotting in your fridge drawer which is like where I've been a lot of times before I got a better handle on like doing this prep stuff but I don't have kids but I know you do and it kind of reminds me of what I am I could imagine saying to a kiddo is like I'm gonna validate your feeling I'm gonna like acknowledge the fact that you don't want to do this and that there's lots of other things you'd rather do and that it's boring or that it's hard or that it's whatever and I'm also going to tell you you can have all those feelings and we're still going to do it
0: yeah yeah <laughs> exactly yeah you just are like and this is happening yes <laughs> <laughs> yep we call it the steamroller tool in my parenting program. I'm just ah. like, this is happening. Mm-hmm. Like, that's only for a really a lot of resistance type things. Like, mm-hmm. We don't engage with nonsense. Yep. <laughs> we move forward with the plan. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I love that. That's great. And then our last uh, question is our courage and connection question, which is a uh, main part of the mission here is to help more people reclaim trust with their bodies so they can live more courageous and connected lives. Can you share an example of where having more body trust has allowed you to be more courageous and or connected?
1: Hmm. I think that one thing I've noticed, and this isn't like a single situation or a single event, but I've been really working hard on my own embodiment over the last two, three years, is like, what does it feel like to actually sense pleasure in my whole body? What does it feel like to feel anger in my body? Um, the more that I get into my own body, the richer my own life experiences are. Mm. When I'm with my two best friends in the world, I feel this like swelling uprising of love mm. in my whole body. And it's different than, you know, a few years in the past when I maybe wasn't as embodied and it was a much more cognitive and emotional experience. Yeah. So it just feels like I've... um, So here's another little science tidbit. There are certain animals, um, pollinators being one of them, that's a really good example, so bees, butterflies, they can actually see UV light. So we can't as humans, but they can actually see more light spectrum than we can see. Mm. And that's how I feel with embodiment. I feel like it hasn't radically shifted... Any of my experiences in this like earth shaking way, but it's widened my spectrum. Mm. And so now I get this depth and richness and breadth of experience moving through life in a way that I didn't before. And sometimes that feels really hard because it means that grief really punches you in the gut or fear really hits you hard at the back of your neck or whatever it is. So you're feeling this intensity there too Mm -hmm. but holy moly does it make the the joy and the beautiful pieces of life even that much richer
0: yeah yeah i love that i i mean even it makes me think like the experience of love in those moments is probably like love for your friends is Mm -hmm. deeper and you're just like you're taking it all in versus I know I can at least speak for myself of like there's part of me that blocks some of that sometimes because of old conditioning and Totally. And it's it's intense. Like it's in some ways you're like well love is good, right? But It's for
1: vulnerable. Me, it's
0: been kind of an like even the idea of like I was picturing I'm having dinner with a good friend tonight and I was like oh what if I could like lean into that moment more and I'm like that kind of scary like <laughs> yeah. it's good and I do with her, right? But it like I can totally relate to that and I think it can deep in that and it can feel vulnerable and scary and
1: absolutely and it's this multifaceted thing right you have to know how to trust your own body enough to go in there mm-hmm. you have to trust the person that you're with yeah to be able to be in your body while you're with them you have to trust the dynamic that you have with that person yeah. there's a lot of I mean that's some next level stuff I always tell my clients when they're on the table um you know Don't feel bad if something that you can do fairly easily in here, like, oh, I can access that resentment pretty easily here on the table. And then if you try to access that on your own at home or with, heaven forbid, with the person you're actually resentful of, like that's going to be such a harder experience because there are so many more layers of complexity and vulnerability um, and trust that are required. So yeah, it's this ongoing, evolving, beautiful process of learning how to lean in a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: I love that. That's a great note to end on. And the final thing that we'll do is encourage people and let them know where they can find if they are near or in or near Grand Rapids, Michigan, they should definitely look you up. So what's the best way to do so? So the
1: best way to do that is you can go to our website, which is thisislittledipper.com. Um, And right now it's me, but I also have another practitioner who's apprenticing with me who is wonderful. So we offer I'm the only one who offers integrated or movement sessions, but we both offer massage therapy and body work. So you can find us there if you are somebody who is not in the West Michigan area and you're sort of interested by the topics that we're talking about. I'm not always the best with updating social media, but I am on Facebook and Instagram um, at Little Dipper GR. So you can connect there. Yeah, perfect.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been really fun. I knew it would be. um, And I really appreciate your wisdom today.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me, Sean.
0: And before we finish today's episode, I have a really quick message from a special guest, my daughter.
2: Please review for my mom's podcast. Make something for my mom's podcast, please. Thank you.
0: Thank you for tuning in today. Your time is valuable, and it means so much to me that you're here. Despite the title of this podcast, many of our topics are not always easy. Change is hard, and let's face it, life and truly looking inward at ourselves can be uncomfortable. That's why I'm grateful. Grateful for you and your willingness to listen, learn, and keep an open mind. I invite you to learn more by going to drshawnhondorp.com or finding me on Instagram at psychology.of.wellness. If you're enjoying this podcast, it would be amazing if you could give it a review so more people can find it. Thanks, and I truly hope you have an energetic and inspired day.